class here called Financial Peace University. How many of you have gone through Financial Peace University? Either here or someplace else, okay. So this past time we had uh, two couples, four people that went through, and so I would like for Lillian and Rick to come forward and Dakota and Kara to come forward. And uh, they endured nine weeks with, with me and, and Dave Ramsey. <clears throat> and uh, so it was, um, uh, it was, you know, I learned, so I've been through this now like four different times. And then, of course, I listened to Dave Ramsey off and on on podcast um, or on his daily radio program. And sometimes when I listen to him and I hear the questions that come across the radio, I'm like, don't ask the question, don't, because I know exactly what he's going to say. Um, you know, you get that way after you hear somebody for so long, you just know what they're going to say. And so these guys uh, have gone through financial peace. They've, they've learned over the past nine weeks. Now, obviously, they're not completely debt-free. I mean, <clears throat> they've been doing this for nine weeks now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, but they've learned. They've learned the steps to take. We have nine, we have seven baby steps <clears throat> that we do. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so they've learned over these past nine weeks what those baby steps are, where they need to start, that you need to follow the baby steps. And um, so they have done awesome in doing that. And so I would like for you just to congratulate them that they're starting this journey. <clears throat> And I'm putting Dakota and Kara on the spot this morning, but <clears throat> they are going. They went through this because they have an ulterior plan down the road, ulterior. and uh, ulterior. God has an ulterior <laughs> plan down the road for them, <clears throat> and He has ulterior motives. Yeah. So um, just just say in your own words what this has done for you for the next phase of your life. Uh, yeah, so um, my wife and I uh, got the call to missions when we were uh, off at Rama. Um, actually, in the same, we were in the, uh, the same service, but not. I was serving, and she was over with friends. Um, I mean, you were part of the thing, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, we were praying for nations, and and God put uh, the Middle East on Karen and I's heart, um, and I uh, was like. You know, I want to go, but we weren't super serious yet because God told us to come back here. Anyways, long story short, um, we have student loans, and I just really felt in my spirit that we needed to take care of our student loans before we go overseas. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. As soon as those are paid off, we're mm -hmm. shipping out. So, mm -hmm. And Kara, explain to, the, to us <clears throat> what happened whenever you, um, because you have to write out your debt. Right, and you don't just have one student loan, you had several student loans. What happened whenever you wrote those out and saw them separately instead of one big clump? Yeah, okay, so um, I had always been paying just on like all of them together, but in the class they said to break them all down into the actual loans that they are. So seeing them broken down made them seem a lot more attainable to pay them off. And we gave them all like nicknames and stuff to make it kind of more fun, like Disney villains and stuff. So that <laughs> as we pay them off, we can feel extra successful, I guess. Yeah. Good, good. Let's give them all a hand. Thank you. So because of your hard work and you're, you're not done, we want to give you a certificate that you have completed Financial Peace University. And again, it's just like any other university, that doesn't mean that you've arrived, it means that you're on your journey now. So let's give them a big hand. <clears throat> glory, glory, glory. I just love hearing testimonies of how, um, how people have gotten out of debt and you can actually go to his website and watch people go to, down to Nashville to his um, headquarters and do their debt-free shout. And he asks them, how much did you pay off? How long did it take you? And whenever you hear those stories, you're just like, wow, this, we can do this. And Pastor and I, we did this. Um, you know, we're debt-free except for our farm. But, but, I mean, that has just freed us up so much that we can do so much more, not for ourselves, right. 
but for the kingdom of God. It's not about me. You know, them getting out of debt is not about them. They have a commission that, to do. And so it's not about them. It's about them fulfilling. It, you know, we got to hear uh, Lillian and Rick's dream that they have, you know, to do. And, and so it's not about them. I mean, they have a big dream that they want to accomplish also. And, and so, you know, but getting out of debt is a big thing. You can't move forward with a ball and chain attached to you that's holding you back and holding you down. You can't move forward. You have to be able to be free. You have to be able to be able to just pick up and go when God says pick up and go. And um, Pastor and I, we tried to live our lives like that, but at the same time, we were going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt, and we just knew we've got to stop this cycle. And God sent this our way, and, and we've just been telling people, and anybody, you know, I think every married couple needs to go through financial peace. I think every engaged couple needs, I think every student needs to go through financial peace. It's just that valuable. And so, um, yeah, so that's exciting. The other thing that we want to announce is, is that <clears throat> we are partnering together <clears throat> with um, Lori from Midland Mall, and also we are partnering together with the Spanish Church, and then we're also gathering some names from local elementary schools, student, or not students, but elementary schools, to help uh, kids this year, and Heart of Saginaw, um, help kids this year with Christmas. And so we're doing a caring tree. And so, Lori, would you like to stand up back here? Lori uh, manages the Midland Mall over in Midland, and so she is going to be handling all of that over on that way, and actually... I think that you're taking care, I mean, you're not taking care of, but you're putting up cards for the blankets and the pillows that's going to Heart of Saginaw, right? Am I right? Okay. And then here in the foyer, we'll have a Christmas tree up and we'll put cards up that have uh, kids' sizes, uh, not necessarily names, but their sizes and what they need, what they want. They'll, each kid will have a card, each kid will have a toy card, and each kid will have a, a clothing card. And so you have the option of what you do, what you want to do. We're asking that you spend no more than $25 per kid. Um, we know some of you aren't going to pay any attention to that, but that's okay. But that's, that's the boundary. And, um, but Joan back here, Joan, why don't you stand? Can you stand for us? Joan back here is looking for those who will serve along the side of her from November the 24th up until December, what did we say, December 15th, um, because we need to make sure that we get the names of the people that took the cards. Um, because if you don't bring your gift back, then we're going to have to send somebody out after you. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so she's going to need help. So if you will see, Joan, are you going to be out by the table today? If you'll we'll stop out by the table afterwards and see Joan back there. There is also out there on the tables a dis dismemberment bill that you can sign, or not bill that you can sign, but there's a Petition, thank you, that you can sign out there. So you want to get that. Also, this Wednesday, last a couple a couple years ago, I guess now we've been doing this. And um, one Sunday, Pastor had did a anointing service. It might have been the beginning of last year. He did an anointing service, and the first group of people he called up was sixty and over. And I was astonished at how many. I mean, I know you guys are here, but. I was just astonished at how many 60 and over were here. And I was like, oh, that's a group of people. And so um, the Lord laid it on my heart to start a group called Women of Season. And so if you are 55 and over, we meet monthly during the school year. And uh, we meet here at the church. We meet the second Wednesday of every month at 930 here at the church. We have coffee, we have tea, and that's it. We don't serve anything else, but we have a time of, of laughter, of sharing, of prayer. Um, we, sometimes we cry, but we share, we just share with one another um, whatever we're going through, and um, there's no set agenda. We just come together, and we uh, love on one another, and uh, so it's been really, it's really been fun to get to know the, those that are women of season. So uh, that's happening this Wednesday here at the church. I think that's all of the announcements that I have.
glory. Hallelujah. Okay, so I want to speak to the altar workers before I even begin. Um, after the service, after or after I, I'm done sharing the message that God has given to me, um, I want you to come forward. But while we are, while I'm speaking, I want you to be thinking of scriptures because you're going to have people that are going to be coming forward for specific uh, areas in their lives. So I want you to be thinking of scriptures that you can share. Bring your Bible with you. Be ready. Be on spot. Okay? No pressure. No pressure. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness toward us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us in many ways. You speak to us, Father, through worship, through your spirit, through one another, you speak to us. You speak to us through your word. And so now, Lord, as I open up my mouth this morning to share what you've put on my heart, I thank you, Father, that I speak as you are speaking. Lord, I see what you see. I see, Father, what you see, Lord, and I hear what you are saying. Thank you, Father, that the people have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. Amen. Amen. As we were worshiping, the word of the Lord came to me, and um, one of the things that he said to me was that you need to rest. You know, we talked about that he's the way maker. But a lot of times we're trying to make the way. We're trying to get in there and, you know, okay, Lord, if I just move this aside, if I just do this right here, or if I say this, or if I, you know, do this, give this, work hard. If I just work harder, I know that it's going to make a way. And God's saying, you know, and that's, that gets tiring after a while. I don't know about you, but I get tired. I get tired whenever I'm working in my own efforts, when I'm doing my own thing, when I'm trying to do it in myself. I get real tired real quick. But whenever I allow God, you know, I love what Stephen said, but God. You know, I love those but gods. And whenever I allow but God to come in, and, and he's already there, he's, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I live with a, a husband who is, his personality is a D. He's a driver. He's a choleric in his personality. He's a type A personality. So it's go, 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 snap, snap, snap. And, and um, so he gets very impatient with me when he gives me something to do and I don't do it quick enough. And, or he, he's trying to, sh you know, I'll say to him, I can't, I can't. I can't get this stupid thing to work right. Well, here, just bring it here, and I'll do it for you. You know, and I'm like, no, just show me, just show me, just show me. And so he does it anyway for me, and I'm like, well, that didn't help me at all. You know, sometimes God's, God's like that. He says, you know, I'm, try I'm trying to help you here, but, you know, go ahead if you want to go ahead and do it. And God's saying to us, you need to rest. You need to rest. You need to step Take a step into his presence. You need to take a step into his word. And you need to rest and stop trying to figure out how God is going to make a way or start, stop trying to help God make the way. I don't know who that's for today, but it just helped you if you'll listen to it. Stop trying to figure out how God's going to make the way and stop trying to make the way for God. Okay, so we could just sit down right now and go home. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I got six pages here that I want to share with you. They're not front and back, and they're type 14, so, you know, it's, it's okay. You'll be fine. But I do want to share with you today about productive Christianity. You know, and again, living with a type A personality, a driver, you know, uh, we, we do produce. Um, in our home and in everything that we put our hand to it produces because that's just who he is and that's just who I have become 
So with that in mind, I have learned that not only in our own marriage or in our own lives does that happen, but even for me as an individual and as a believer in Christ, as a Christian, I should be producing in my life. And the producing that I do is not about me, but it's about the kingdom. The producing that I do, it's not for me. You know, whenever you think, we have two pear trees in our yard, and um, they're huge, and they, they produce a lot of pears. I didn't, in the last two years we've lived there, Suzanne, I have not seen those pear trees take a bite out of one of those pears. He would see a tree take, oh, he would bite, yes. I've never seen an apple tree bend over and take a bite out of its fruit. I've never seen any fruit tree benefit from producing fruit, except for that when it does what it's supposed to do, it flourishes and it grows and it keeps doing it over and over and over again. That's that's the benefit for the tree. So the the benefit for me to produce as a Christian is not for me, but it is for me. But the fruit isn't for me. The fruit is for somebody else. But if I do what I'm supposed to do, then I'm going to continue to flourish and I'm going to continue to grow and I'm going to continue to bloom and I'm going to continue to blossom and things are going to continue to happen around me. If, if I'm producing. And so that, but that's the struggle that we get into is how do we produce and why aren't I producing? Why aren't I producing? So um, in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 10, and I think I wrote this out of the Passion Translation, or it might have been out of the Amplified, or it could be the message. I don't know. It's one of those. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Walk, live, and conduct yourselves. It's the Amplified. I remember now. Walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in by the knowledge of God. And that word knowledge means to become thoroughly acquainted with to know thoroughly. So as a believer, one of my responsibilities is to become thoroughly acquainted with the Father God. And how do I do that? How do I become thoroughly acquainted with the the Father God? Well, one of the ways, of course, is through worship. But without, without the Word of God in the worship, you're really not going to know who God is. Because let me tell you, I sang a lot of songs, hymns, Becky, you can attest to this, in the Nazarene church that were not word-based. Derek, remember those songs? I'll just take a cabin in glory. You know, um, Jesus never said, I'm going to heaven to build you a cabin. He says, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to, I'm, going, I'm going to a place and I'm going there to prepare a mansion for you. There's no mention of a cabin. But in our humbleness, we'll just take a cabin in the corner of glory land. You know, so, you know, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Totally not word, because Jesus is never, never going to pass you by. So in our worship, we have to always come back to word, word. So worship is an awesome way to get to know the Father if, if the music is, is word-based. So it's an awesome way. I mean, I thrive for in, in my time of worship, putting on some good worship music. Me and Jesus, we have a good hoedown. I mean, we just have a, I mean... We just have an awesome time. In my car by myself, I love getting in my car by myself. Pastor will say, do you want me to go? No, that's okay. Because then I can just put, in my, put on my music. 
I can let it go as loud as I want it to go. I can sing. I can worship. I can declare. I can scream. I can cry. I can do whatever it is I need to do. And God is with me. So I love the worship. I love worshiping. It's been a foundational part of my Christian walk. But I love the word. I love the word. Or let me say not but, let me say and, I love the word. Because to me, you can't have worship without the word, and you can't have word without the worship. And so I'm going to explain it to you like this. So as God, as, as, you know, as I'm reading my scripture, you know, I just had God show me this the other day. As I was driving along and I was praying and I was just, just praying for different, you know, my points of prayer, and God just revealed a revelation to me. And, he's, and, he, and, and I was like, oh, wow, that's phenomenal. And so it was, it was a direction that I needed to change in my prayer. You know, it opened up my eyes to see, okay, you've been saying this, you've been praying this, you've, and, and it's true. You know, yes, what you're saying is true. But I want you to see uh, how you need to fight this thing now. And so as he began to open that up to me, I was like, oh, I see, I see clearly. I can see differently now. And so when I got that revelation, I began to say, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I declare. I worship you. Thank you for that revelation. And Father God, I thank you that that thing is shifting. That thing is changing. That thing is is, is just destroyed because of your word, because of who you are, because of what you're doing, because thank you, Lord. And so out of the worship came a revelation, came a word, comes worship, comes a revelation, comes the word. So it's just, a, it's a cycle that we go through. So um, as I was, as, as we do that, you know, as we're going along in our Christian walk, we are to bear fruit. But sometimes there's just some hindrances in our life. And, and I've had boatloads of them. And I'm going to tell you, I still have boatloads of hindrances. Sometimes I'm aware of those. Sometimes I'm blinded to those. But it's the word that gives light. And so as I am continuously in the word, his word gives light to those areas that I am blinded to. And if I'm going to be stubborn about it and say, mm, no, that's God, you're wrong about that. God just steps back, says, okay. I'm the way maker, but if you feel like you know better, go right ahead. And I'll say, okay, thank you. I feel like I know better. You're like, so you don't. Yes, I do. Because sometimes I forget who God is. Sometimes I forget that, oh, that's right. He made me. I didn't make me. That's right, Sharon. You know, and I've told God many times, you know, right now would be a good time for you to show up and do something. <laughs> and then it passes. And I'll go, okay, God, right now would be a good time for you to show up and do, and it passes. So finally, I got so tired of just doing that. I finally said, you know what, God, I'm taking you out of the box and you just do. You do, you do what you know to do best. And he is. I mean, and like we sang today, we don't always see it and we don't always feel it. But listen, the spiritual is not always seen. The spiritual is not always seen. And so sometimes we don't see for a long, long time. We don't always see it. But God. But God. Amen, amen, amen. So... So produce, what is the meaning of produce? It means to make available for public expedition. Ex, 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 yes, exhibition, thank you. Expedition is a car, right? It's an SUV. Exhibition, to be on display, okay. To give meaning, form, or shape to. Some of the synonyms, synonyms of it is to create effect to generate and to yield. So in my life, again, as a believer, I am to be producing. I am to be manifesting fruit in my life. So, but in order to do that, it takes work. How many of you know that it takes work? 
you know, um, I wish I, I wish that you know we would have gotten this farm maybe 20 years ago, because those pear trees they need work. And truthfully, thank God God doesn't look at us and go, uh, you're just too old and it's you're beyond help. You know, but you know, truthfully, those pear trees are just too tall. And you know they needed to be pruned, they needed to be cut back, they needed to be helped, you know, so that they could. I mean, I know they're producing, they're doing the best that they can, but wow, you know, there's some dead branches up in there, and there's some th there's some branches that are going every which way, and so it's hindering. It's actually hindering the 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 tree to produce like it should. So to be productive, it takes work, hard work. And it's that way in our Christian walk. It's that way in our Christian walk. In order for us to be productive, we have to put forth the effort. There are things that are required of us to do. You know, this, James tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead, but then we have to be careful that we don't get all over into works because it's not works that justifies us. By faith, we are justified. But at the same time, faith without works is dead. So how do we get this balance of working and faith together? How do we work our faith? So last, last week, Pastor spoke about um, abundance and receiving your harvest. And um, it was a word, you know, it was a word for God, from God. It was a point of contact, a word from God, a point of contact, and then he had an action point for you to follow through with. And so many times what we're wanting is we want somebody to pray for us. We want somebody to lay hands on us. We want God just to come down and just wave his magic wand over our situation and just fix it. And can I just tell you that God is not a Tinkerbell? God is not a fairy. He is God, the creator of heaven and earth. And he comes and goes as he pleases. And so, you know, we can't just think that because, you know, somebody laid hands on us, prayed over us, that it's going to happen. There's a work that comes with it. You know, I, I, you know, I love praying for people and their finances, but my first question to them is always, are you a tither? Because the scripture says that bring all your tithes into the storehouse. Why? So that the windows of heaven can be opened up unto you. So if I'm not bringing my tithes into the storehouse, what's happening? The windows are shut, Adam. There's a block that's there. So if you're coming to me and asking me to agree with you in prayer about your finances, my first question is, are you a tither? And I had, I had a couple argue with me at the, at the altar one time. Well, you don't understand. He works on commission, and so um, it's not always the same. That wasn't my question. My question is, are you a tither? Well, he doesn't always get the same amount. Doesn't matter. The amount that he is getting, are you tithing on that? Well, but, you know, we would, but we never know what it's going to be. But you do know at some point what the tithe is, right? I mean, at some point that, that paycheck is coming into your possession, and so you will know, right? I mean, was I missing something? I just couldn't seem to make the connection, and so... They were like, they, finally they got so frustrated. Are you going to pray for us or not? I said, yes, I am. But I'm not going to pray for your finances. I'm going to pray that you get a revelation. I'm going to pray that you get a revelation. Yeah, my mercy came out, Mona, right there. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's fine to have somebody lay hands on you, pray for you, agree with you, come in agreement. You know, this is the thing, though. I don't come in agreement with you. I come in agreement with the Word. So I'm going to want to know, and that's why I had these altar workers start thinking about scriptures, financial scriptures, health scriptures, family scriptures, house scriptures, um, work scriptures, car scriptures. Are there scriptures in this? 
uh, about cars, transportation. How do you think they traveled back in the day? They got there somehow. So transportation, absolutely. Protection scriptures. Why? Because I want to know what are you believing for? What are you standing on? Because, you know, the, the thing is, is that I, to come in agreement means that we agree. If anyone, and if any two of you come together and agree as touching anything, I am there in the midst of you. So there's an agreement, you know, this, you know, whenever you sign an agreement, this person's laid out, this is what's going to happen. And then you're bringing to the table, yes, and this is what I'm going to do. And so then you sign it at the bottom, you say, we agree to this, right? I mean, you guys have signed agreements before, right? Leases, loans, you know, whatever, you know, you've signed an agreement. So what we're doing is we're coming together in agreement with the word. We're saying this is what God's word says, and so now we're going to agree with that. God's word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So I need you to agree with me about that, Joe. I need you to say with me, Sharon is healed by the stripes of Jesus. You know, whenever a couple gets married, uh, a man and a woman get married, they come together, and one of the things that the, that the, that the minister says is that um, you know, don't we? You guys are all here in agreement about this wedding, right? And the the two witnesses say yes, and then the congregation says yes, and then the the minister at some point says, you know, what God has joined together, let no one come in between. So we need to take that as seriously then in our own lives with the Word of God. What God has sent to us in His Word brought together for us, let no one come in between that. So that's why you need to be careful about who are you agreeing with? Who are you having agree with you? I had a woman one time ask me, I'm, I'm, I'm sta we're standing on a situation and, and uh, you know, and so she, you know, she just wanted to know. Sharon, have you just come to the conclusion that it's just going to be this way? You wanted to see mercy, Mona? Yeah. I took a step back from her and I said, absolutely not. This is what God's word says. And I began, but see, it had been two years since the situation had happened that I hadn't even shared with them. And so when, it, when they finally came to me and started talking to me about it, I had all kinds of scriptures that just started coming out of me like, no, this is what God's word says about this, and this is what I declare, this is what I say. But it took me two years to get to that point. That I, now, if she would have asked me two years before that, I probably would have been a little like the weeble wobble. Well, I'm not sure yet. I'm not really sure. So I'm really careful about who I come into agreement with and who I have come into agreement with me. Okay. Enough on that page. One page down. So this summer, while I was out in my flower bed um, pulling weeds, uh, you know that happens in our lives, you know, whenever you're gardening or flowering, you have to pull weeds, you know? And it's just amazing to me that you don't have to plant those things. They just come up. And, and, and it, it's amazing to me, too, that I can pull, pull it up this, you know, today and go back out tomorrow, and there's another one over here. Or I can, you know, you know I go out into the garden and run the tiller, and, and I'm like, oh, look how beautiful my garden. No, not a weed in there. Go out the next day, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And so <clears throat> I had a garden, a rock garden, that it just needed some good attention. And um, the lady that lived there before us, she used a lot of Roundup. Well, because our chickens run free sometimes, and we have cats around, um, I don't feel comfortable having Roundup sprayed on everything. And so I opted not to use Roundup. So guess who has to do the work? And so <clears throat> as I was out there pulling the weeds, you know, some of them came up really easy, and then some of them I had to really, I'm like, oh, my gosh, 
whose idea was this anyway? And who, why did I even start this? I need, you know, so I got this bright idea. I think it was a God idea. Go get the hose and just drench this area. Just drench it. Just let the water just run over this. And so I did. And wow, what a difference it made. And so as I'm doing this, of course, and I'm bending over and pulling up weeds, you know, I, I get a spiritual application out of it. I have to. Last year was I was uh, working with my tomatoes and I was, um, um, oh, what is it they call it whenever you take, the suckering. I was suckering my tomatoes. Uh, do you all know what a sucker is on a tomato? <clears throat> so it comes up in between uh, the stem and it comes up in between the vine that's supposed to be producing. There's a sucker that will come up right here. And if you don't take it off, it'll overtake the vine and it doesn't even produce, but it hinders the vine from producing. Good spiritual application right there. And so as I'm, as I'm digging and, and pulling up weeds, I get this spiritual application about these roots in our lives. And, you know, sometimes, there, sometimes we see the roots, sometimes we don't. We all see the weeds. But sometimes, you know, we, we go along in our spiritual walk and we just, you know, the easiest thing to do, this is pastor's way of dealing with weeds, get the weed whacker out. Just cut those babies down. Okay, but the root is still there and it's gonna be up again tomorrow. And really you can still see it. Even though you whacked it down, you can still see the weed. So weed whacking it down is not really the answer to getting rid of weeds. Getting to the root of the problem is the way of getting rid of weeds. And so in our lives, we have to look at in our lives that how do I get rid of these weeds? And what are the weeds in my life? Sometimes we're blinded to those weeds that are in our lives. Sometimes, you know, what I, I can go out to the garden and see tons of weeds. He goes out to the garden and it looks good to me. Really, you can't see that crabgrass right there? Seriously, you can't see, you know, and, and, and of course it's always easier for other people to see weeds in our lives than for them to see the weeds in their lives. Didn't Jesus talk about that? It was about a plank and a splinter. So in our lives, we can look at weeds that we have and we could go, okay, but you know, that's not a bad weed, God. I mean, after all, you know, my grandmother used to take dandelions and pick them fresh and wilt, wilt them down and made a salad. I mean, how bad is a dandelion? Yeah, lots of nutrition, but you let that baby go? You let a whole field of baby dandelions go? You got a problem. So you have to get to the root of those things. And so as I was down there, against the hill and just letting the water flow over those weeds, I'm just getting a revelation of weeds and roots in my own life. Thank God he doesn't open up all of it and show it to me because I don't, I think I'd probably just die right there. But thank God his grace is more than enough that he shows us little bits at a time and he allows us to conquer those things with the word of God. And so, as I was down there pulling out weeds, this is what the Lord began to speak, speak to me about. In order to soften up the ground around the weed, around the weed, it's necessary to soak the area in water. And as I began to drench that area, it was just so much easier to dig up the weed. And sometimes I had to get the spade and go a little bit deeper, but the majority of the time, the roots just came right up. I was reminded of the scripture in Hosea, uh, chapter 10 and verse 12, it says to break up your fallow ground. We used to sing this song back in the day, break up your fallow ground, let it rain, rain, rain. Break up your fallow ground. Something about let God's glory come down. But the whole, the whole premise of the, of the scripture is, is that in that scripture, and then I think it's also in Isaiah, he talks about breaking up the fallow ground, that Israel had really hardened their hearts to God to the things of God. And God was really trying to deliver them and set them free. But, you know, they just kept going around this mountain. They kind of, I think they learned this in the wilderness. 
they just kept going around the mountain over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and could never really seem to find their way out until after Moses died and Joshua then led them out of, out of the wilderness into the promised land. And, but the thing is, is that once they got even out of the promised land, they still carried on those same habits um, that they had. They still carried on those same things that they had. So they would, they would love God with all of their heart, and they would get you know, all their needs met, and then they would get complacent, and they would allow apathy to set in, and they would become lethargic in their walk with God, and then they would become hard to the things of God. And then they would begin to worship other idols, and they would begin to worship other gods. And then, of course, the blessing of God, the hand of God is withdrawn from them, and it became hard. It became hard for them. Enemies would come in and overtake them, and, and they, would, they would kill them, and they would you know, take their lands. And, and during the time that Isaiah is writing, you know, they're, they're, in a, they're going into captivity. And so they're crying out to God, God, save us, God, help us, God. And so God brings them a word and says, break up your fallow ground. Break up your heart so that, the, so that the presence of God, so that the glory of God, so that the newness of God, so that the things of God can come in, so that you can be delivered, so that you can be set free. And of course, then they do, and they go along, and they go through this whole cycle again. I think that we do that in our own lives. I mean, there's times that I get really complacent, you know, and I'm, I'm like, okay, when was the last time I heard from you, God? God said, I'm, I'm here. Really, Sharon, when was the last time I heard from you? So I have to look at those weeds in my life and say, okay, God, I need, I need your word. I need to soak that area in my life. There's a reason that I'm not receiving from you, and I need to find out what that is. Last year, I, I was dealing with something in my life, and, and um, you know, it, it seems like those that are closest to us, we lash out quicker, too. And so, Pastor had just made a statement I mean, I can't even tell you what he said, but it just ticked me off. And so my tongue, I just lashed right back. And I could see in his face, uh, he went to his corner, but he was, he was going to come back out. And I thought, okay, that was not good. And Sharon, why did you do that? And, you know, you've been down this road before. You, why, why, what are you doing? And so I went up to my prayer closet and I got on my knees and I cried. I cried out to God. I said, I don't get this. I thought that, I thought I dealt with this several years ago. I mean, I can see it. I know what it is. I know what's going on. But what is that? And, and I, thought that, I, I thought that you showed me the root to it. And I thought that we dealt with this. Why, why am I dealing, still dealing with this? And God said, you really want to know? And I said, I'm here. I really want to know. And so I opened up my garden, and I allowed the Holy Spirit to penetrate in and to bring word in to my heart. And he began to show me some things that, Yes, what he had shown me a few years ago, it was part of the problem. But really, the real issue was even deeper than that. And so when he opened up my eyes and I began to see, oh, that's why I do that. And to tell you the truth, it was a hard, it was a hard revelation for me. And without the grace of God, I wouldn't have ever been able, and I would, probably would have never even looked at it. Because, but because his grace is so good to us, I was able to look at it and go, you know what, God, you're right, of course. You know, it's not that he needed to see, hear that, but 
And I began to just ask him, you know, now what? What do I do now? And he began to show me step by step how to pull that root out and how to allow the healing of the anointing to take place. But I wasn't done. My next step was I had to go back downstairs and face my husband and repent and then explain. And he and I together, we looked at it. And so he helped me fight that thing. Again, who am I coming in agreement with? See, I could have gone to somebody and they could have sympathized with me and said, oh, you poor thing, you really had it rough. I'm so sorry that you went through that. And all that's fine and well to hear, but what I really needed to hear was, Sharon, how long are you going to sit there? How long are you going to allow this situation to keep running your life over and over and over and over and over again? How long are you going to allow that root to stay there? So I didn't need him to say, you know, honey, I'm so sorry. You poor thing. You know, and sit there and cry with me. I needed him to say, okay, so now what are we going to do? And I gave him the plan, God's plan. And he said, okay, I agree with you. So in order to soften up the ground around us, we need the word of God in our lives to come in and to soak that area in our lives so that we can get to the root of what it is. So the Bible dictionary talks about roots. It says, it's the part of the plant which enters and fixes itself in the earth. <laughs> okay, here's the earth. And there are things that have affixed, affixed themselves in me. Past experiences, life experience, my decisions, my choices that I've made over my life, things that happen to us, life happens, the world happens, and we don't, we don't realize how much that attaches itself to us. We don't realize how much that gets on the inside of us. This is why, you know, Chuck and Carrie are preaching to us about worship and the, 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 the move of the, uh, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. This is why pastors are always telling us about take notes, get into the Word, Pray, read, fast, pray, read, fast, pray, read, fast, worship, pray, read, fast. Why? Because we've got the world that's attaching itself to us. And sometimes it gets in, it seeps in. Sometimes it gets in there and it starts taking root on the inside. You know, I mean, I mean there's been times that I've been going, I know that I don't believe certain things. But then I'll hear something, and all of a sudden, my flesh, my mind, will kind of lean towards that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where, where are you going? Where are you going? Right. Well, you know, the world's kind of going that way. No, no, I don't care. Right. I don't care where the world's going. Right. This is what God's Word says. Right. So adjust yourself and get back over here. But without the word, without, without me knowing what the word says, I'll just go wherever the world's leading me. I'll just do whatever the world's telling me to do. I'll just live however the world tells me to live. If I don't have the roadmap of the word of what a Christian is supposed to do and how, how a Christian is supposed to live, then I'll just do whatever the world tells me to do. It serves to, the root serves to support the plant in an erect position. You know those weeds in your life? You wonder how they're, how they, wow, how are they standing up? So They've got deep roots. they got deep roots. That's how they're staying up. And so you've got to get into the Word, and you've got to allow the Word to get in there and help dig those roots out. Okay? It's the bottom of the, or the lower part of anything. You know, you've heard the saying about it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we just see up here. But there's a whole nother area 
that's going on down here. And so there's more to it than just, oh, I just flare off once in a while. Really? Why do you do that? Oh, I don't know. You know, my mama did it. My papa did it. You know, I'm a redhead. I'm, you know, I'm Irish. I'm Jewish. I'm Russian. I'm whatever. I don't care who you are. If you have a root of bitterness in your life, you're going to be angry. And things are going to spew out of you. If you're, not, if you're not in the Word of God, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're not in fellowship with Him, if you're not in fellowship with other believers, if you're not in worship, things are going to spew out of you. It's just going to happen. I can tell when people are not in the Word. I can tell. I hear things. I see things. I'm like, yeah. And I can start telling when I, of course, you know, I know. But, you know, life happens, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I haven't opened my Bible in two or three days. I need, I need to get back. Why am I starting to think negative? Why am I starting to think this way? And why am I starting to feel this way? Ah, there's always a reason as to why. All right. There's a root of bitterness in Scripture or any error, sin, or evil that produces discord or immorality. To take root, to become planted, fixed, or established, it, to increase and spread. You know, those weeds just have a tendency to spread. We're talking about those dandelions. If you don't get them real quick, those things, they, those flowers are so pretty. And all oh, the kids just love taking them and blowing those seeds all over the yard. Yeah, they're just spreading weeds that are going to, that are going to have roots that's going to go deeper. And so in our lives, we have to make sure that, we're, that we are not allowing that to happen. Mark chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, you can look this up later and just read the whole passage there. He talks about the word, that the farmer sows the word. Sows the word. So the, the persons, y'all remember that scripture? Okay, you're looking at me like, that's new to me. I never heard of that. Maybe you didn't. Mark chapter 4. Go look it up later. And it talks about how a farmer sows a seed. Some falls on rocky, some falls on good, some falls on hard, some fall, but then there's one that falls on the good ground and it grows up and it produces. Well, in this one passage in 18 and 19, it says, the seed cast in the weeds, in the weeds represents the one who hears the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all things that they have to do and all the things that they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. I'm reminded out of Galatians chapter 5. It talks about at the end of that chapter, Paul's talking to the Galatians about, listen, you know, you guys are, you guys are producing the wrong fruit, okay? You're in sin, you're living in sexual sin, you're living, you know, you're drinking way too much wine, you're doing this, you're doing that, and then it's, it's leading to a root of bitterness, you're angry, you're, he lists a whole bunch of things there. But then in Galatians 5, 19 through 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and he says that against these, there is no law. There's no law about this. Now, is there a law about murder? Yes. Is there a law about adultery? There is. There is? Well, yeah. If I'm married and my husband commits adultery against me, I have the right, I have the law that gives me the right to file for divorce, if I so choose. Is there a law about stealing? Yes. But see, those are all fruit of the flesh. But whenever we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, there is no law. You can't put law, a law on love. Well, you can only love this person or this type of people. Mm, no, you can't. I can love everyone. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. That's why. Revelations 21, 6 and says, says, and he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life.
This sermon's going really quick. Out of Ephesians chapter 5, I think it is, Ephesians chapter 4 at the end, verse 31, Paul says, The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. See, those are all fruit of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on and so forth. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots. See, even good fruit has roots. So even a good tree has roots. So that extends its roots by the stream and it will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Ephesians 5.26 in the New Living Translation says, says this about the body of Christ. He's, he gave the analogy of the woman and the husband and he comes in and he says, you know, so is the body of Christ to make her a holy, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, <clears throat> it says, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So maybe while I've been talking here today, you've identified a root. Or maybe you're like, no, I have no roots. Or maybe you're like, I know I do, but I just don't know what it is. You know how you're dealing with roots over and over and again in your life is because You just can't get past. You just can't get past the last thing that happened to you. You just can't get past that thing. You just keep hanging on to the what if. But what if, you know, if only. The if onlys. One of the best books I read last year was a book by um, Allie Worthington, and it's, it was called Fierce Faith. In one of her chapters, she talked about all the what-ifs. You know, you think about Moses, you know, whenever God called him from the burning bush, and his what-if was, what if they won't listen to me? You know, you think about you know, all of the different people in the Bible that we're faced with. You know, a few weeks ago, somebody talked about, um, oh, the guy with the fleece. Gideon. You know, he had his what-ifs. That's why he threw a fleece. Because he just wasn't quite sure. So if you've got all those what-ifs in your life, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What if? what if you need to get some fierce faith on the inside of you that says but what if it does but what if it does all work out but what if I do take this step and the doors open up and this happens and that happens and what if the what if on the positive side and so as we begin to do that as you begin to think about that you begin to think okay so what is the lie that I'm believing that's holding me back because see, that lie has a root. And so as this morning, as we close, I just want you to stand with me and, you know, and our prayer partners are going to come forward. With your Bibles. And if this is a word for you that if you would like someone to come in agreement with you over the word, 
Not come in agreement with you about your problem, but come in agreement with you over the word concerning your problem. Bring your Bible with you or your tablet or your phone that has your Bible on it. Bring a piece of paper, pencil, or your tablet or your phone that, where you could take notes so that you can um, write down the scripture. Because I can guarantee you that you can write it down. You can, they can give it to you. They can give you Philippians 4.19. You're going to go home this afternoon. And go, what was that scripture again? Something about, um, yeah, it was in Philemon. No, I think it was in Peter. Uh, and you're going to forget. So write, the scripture says, write the vision, make it plain. Write the word down, make it plain. So that when you're looking at it and you're reading it, you can run with it. So as these guys are up here, hey guys, why don't you spread out here a little bit? Stevie, come on down this way.